Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, it is one o'clock. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give that opening code for those of you who are, who are taking the CEU coding. So your code, your opening code is one two one three four again it is one two one three four okay you guys take it away all right uh, welcome everybody welcome to our gaming seminar this is just day one so if if you have to leave for any reason or anything comes up you can catch it day two but my name is aaron espinoza i'm from california um Go CCB, California Council of the Blind, the OGs, the Organized Blindness Movement. And I want to wish uh, the ACB happy birthday. We're turning 60. Normally, that's a bad thing the older you get. But uh, in this case, the older we get as an organization is a very good thing. So I'm director, too, for the ACB students at the national level. And that's pretty much it. Now I'm going to turn it over to the Sento Showdown, so they can tell you a little bit about themselves, and we can get started on our presentation. All right, guys, take it away. Thank you, Erin. First and foremost, we do want to thank ACB and the ACB Student Division for giving us this opportunity to present to you all today and on Thursday. Uh, so I will start by introducing myself and then let one of uh, the rest of the team go. So my name is Carlos Martinez, and in the spirit of the topics we will be covering today, I will also be sharing with you my online gamer tag. I go by Captain Earshot. I am a UC Irvine alum, and I majored in psychology and social behavior. Um, I'm also grateful that I still have a job there now. I am currently the office coordinator for UC Irvine's Summer Edge programs, which are a series of seminars that introduce newly admitted freshmen and transfer students to campus resources, as well as mentorship and research opportunities. And in my capacity, I help facilitate student enrollment and coordinate events. And it's a lot of fun because I get to meet families and the, the, lots of new people, lots of new students. And my pronouns are he, him, his. And I'll go ahead and pass it over to Alex. Hi, this is Alex Vasquez. And my gamer tag is Baron's son. And currently don't have a job right now, but maybe in the future I'll see what I could find. And yeah, that's about it for me. And now I'll pass it on to Gable. Hi, everybody. My name's Gable Mead. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, and I go by Blind Sights Blue online. Uh, I am from Iowa, and I'm a currently a full-time college student entering my senior year, um, majoring in creative writing and English with a minor in history, and I'm currently um, applying to many grad schools um, in hopes of getting uh, a master's or a PhD in creative writing and um, moving on to become a uh, creative writing professor. Um, Dexter, would you like to go next? Hi, my name is Dexter. I go by your sins online. I live in San Diego. I, I worked for Coca-Cola for almost 20 years. So I'm currently unemployed. And uh, yeah, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. And I'll pass it on to Carlos Vasquez. 
Good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you again for having us. Uh, my name is Carlos. I reside in the lovely state of Texas here in Houston. Um, and um, I go by Rattlehead on, online. I'm pr primarily very active in the fighting game community. And um, uh, I currently, I am currently employed. I am an uh, employee for uh, seniors who are blind and visually impaired. I work on rehabilitation, basically making sure that they remain independent in their homes and their communities. Um, and I, I'm an alum for the University of Houston here in Texas, here in Houston, and happy to be here and present to you all today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, everyone, for showing a little bit about each other. And uh, so as you can tell, it's sort of a big group here. So we're all here to help round out the discussions we will be having, and I will be facilitating our presentation. Um, so, so again, we are presenting for two days, and we hope that if you are checking out the archives afterwards, that you pick up on the patterns and the overlap that a lot of these uh, different topics will have as we go through. So now I want to go ahead and just go over our goals for the day so that uh, we are all on the same page. So first and foremost, we aim to educate. Um, we want to provide you all with a brief overview of text-to-speech features that are built into consoles like the Xbox One, like the PlayStation. Um, because these are uh, things that I think we're all pretty familiar with within the educational setting. We've all maybe heard of someone or have personally used screen readers to access assignments and to do work. And, and we sort of, on our own, discovered the magic of, you know, entertainment hub. And, and looking at how video games sort of play into that is, is what this presentation is about. So to that point, we will be showcasing the use of a narrator. Uh, when accessing a video game. Um, our second goal here is to empower. So we want to help others find their call to action. So to share, whether that is to share your experience with friends or loved ones, sort of to explore your interest in video games or digital accessibility. Really, we just aim that you become a resource for someone who can benefit from the knowledge we have to share with you today. And the last thing, obviously, video games are supposed to be fun, right? So we aim to entertain and we don't want to be talking at you for too long. We do want to talk with you. So we've built some time in to hear from you at the end of our presentation to share your thoughts, anything that sparked your interest and ongoing conversations. We fully recognize that digital accessibility is always a project in progress. So Moving right along here, you've heard a little bit about who we are as individuals. Um, as a group, we, I want to share just a little bit more about how we've come together. So full disclosure, none of us are video game developers. We are all just a group of friends who have bonded over our love for playing different games. And we have put together this presentation from based on our own experience and as blind and visually impaired players. So to that end, what we share... Our experiences, all of that is our own, and we strive to encourage others to share their stories and to join in the conversation if they would agree. So, so, so to be, get, get us started here, let's just ask two simple questions. What is an Xbox and how does it work? So a brief history for you all here. So the original Xbox was actually released in the U.S. in November of 2001. Um, and for context, I may or may not have been nine years old at the time, and I certainly did not own an Xbox. I uh, remember growing up with the Nintendo 64, 
which is a rival console. And I was playing at the time I was playing video games like Super Smash Brothers and Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium 2 were sort of the the hits in my home. Um, But I know we have a few members on the team who actually did get to own one of the original Xboxes. I know, uh, Alex, you were telling me a little bit about that console. So do you care to just share some of those games that you may have grown up playing? Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, So I still have the console today so we still have it it's in a it's in a drawer somewhere but uh uh like games i used to play is uh mk deception was actually on that console everybody played the ps2 or gamecube version but when you say mk you're referring to mk deception mortal kombat the series yeah mortal kombat deception yeah Yeah, that that was on the console and of course everybody was playing halo at the time halo 2 get in the multiplayer games back in the day uh, my brother used to play it a lot when he was when he was younger uh and uh there was uh i think area 51 it was called you had to fight a bunch of like aliens uh with your like different weapons you can get in the game and uh yeah those are some of the games that were on the console back then Nice. Yeah. So and and what happened was you had all these different consoles and people with different experiences kind of growing up and trying them out at different capacities. You know, we we haven't even sort of touched on the fact that a lot of these consoles are just historically very pricey. Right. So whether you had access to one or a sibling, an older sibling who had a job, who was able to play a lot of these consoles, our earliest experiences have definitely been either listening and watching others play or sort of jumping on whenever the opportunity allowed. And so to that end, so you have the Xbox One, which we will be focusing on today and sharing a little bit more in depth about with you. Uh, So over the, I think the span of 12 years, it wasn't until November of 2013 where the next console in that in that uh, line of consoles was released. So the Xbox One was indeed released uh, 12 years later. And in that time, you sort of saw a jump in this niche console being uh, becoming sort of more, uh, more, uh, more bang for your bucks. Uh, so not only were you able to purchase something that was going to give you access to video games, but now uh, all of a sudden, you know, with the uh, transition from dial-up back in the 90s to uh, internet, uh, you know, globally, everybody was suddenly able to treat this console as an entertainment hub, right? So you had features available such as web browsing and media players and streaming services. So now it was possible to just log into Netflix or launch YouTube or send an email and check, uh, you know, go about your day in a way that you had access to all all these things on one in one place. So inevitably what that does is it sort of congregates new audiences. You're pulling a lot more people in and just by the sheer numbers, you're getting people with disabilities involved and, and engaged and excited for all of these features that are being introduced in the new consoles. And so that is a good sort of segue to talk about how, uh, we uh, we can make these experiences more accessible historically. It's always been sort of about memorization, right? What does this button do? What does that button do? And just kind of pressing them, listening for patterns, listening for uh, hopefully, you know, uh, like a response, looking for those things. But 
Um, along with the Xbox One, uh, the narrator screen reader was uh, introduced onto the console, which which was a great breakthrough for for folks who were uh, depending on sound or or a screen reader to get by. So, and forgive me if I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, just a quick overview: what is narrator and how does it work? Right. So, we most of us may know that narrator is a screen reader owned by Microsoft, and uh, it was de- it was actually developed by Professor Paul Blankhorn in 1999 and released in the Windows 2000 operating system. So. Uh, the purpose of screen readers, yes, is to help improve the accessibility for Windows users, in this case, uh, who are blind and visually impaired. So any any system that makes use of these uh, screen readers, uh, we have the voiceover now that we know of, of course, and NVDA, JAWS, just to name a few. Um, and it's really cool because uh, sort of that they've been assi- they've been designed to be used in different languages, and now you can assign voices. So we really see just an aesthetic growth in this niche field as well. So now that we've established what these two systems are, we would like to demonstrate how they interact together. And to introduce our first video, I will go ahead and pass it over to Carlos. Well, hey again, everyone. I'm back again. Uh, so what we're about to watch right now, essentially, is just a general overview. Uh, of as um, uh, Carlos Martinez was over here discussing sort of the, the history. But at this point, uh, we chose the Xbox One mainly because it's sort of the leading example, right, of what uh, accessibility meant for gaming at the time. Obviously, now we have the Series X, which, by the way, all of, all of what you're about to see right now does work in the now current uh, generation of consoles, which is the Series X and Series S. Uh, so what we did is we just took the time to put a video together, kind of showcasing some of the general aspects of it. Obviously, there is just so much you can't really cover in just in one simple video. But we wanted to just kind of give an overview, what it's uh, an overview, what it's like to, you know, do. I think one of the things that we can, uh, a lot of us can relate to is just that feel of independence, right? And so we want to showcase that, you know, a simple fact of kind of what what uh, uh, Carlos was discussing about, you know, just you know being involved, you know, even socially, like through consoles now, like sending messages and. Uh, you know, are sending game invites, you know, if, if there's a particular game that is playable among us, then uh, how can this kind of gives us that freedom to do that, you know, when at, at our own leisure, rather than having to wait on, you know, maybe the sometimes dreaded sighted assistance or whatnot. But, you know, so what we want to do showcase right now, I want to go ahead and just kind of get, get a, uh, a kind of step back and let you let you all just witness, uh, you know, some of what we put together. So with that said, let's go ahead and get this video. Hello. This is Carlos, also known as Rattlehead within the fighting game community. The CentOS Showdown team and I will be going over elements of accessibility that can be found on the Xbox One and next generation consoles, with particular focus on navigating as a blind user. The following is a list of accessibility features found within the ease of access menu on the Xbox console. Notice that Narrator, the Microsoft screen reader, We'll read aloud each item as it's highlighted. Ease of access, 6 of 6. Narrator, 1 of 7. Magnifier, 2 of 7. Captioning, 3 of 7. High contrast, 4 of 7. Controller, 5 of 7. Game transcription, 6 of 7. Audio, 7 of 7. The Xbox dashboard is divided into rows of customizable content blocks. Resume. 
Launch, Settings, press the menu button for more options, Navigation, My Games and Apps, button, 1 of 1. Content Block, Game Pass Block, Block 1 of 9. Game Pass, button, Launch Section, Section 1 of 2. Store Block, Block 2 of 9. Store, button, Launch Section, Section 1 of 2. Press the Y button to search, press the View button to customize, press the Menu button to get more options. Entertainment Block, Block 3 of 9. Entertainment, button, Launch Section, Section 1 of 2. Events Block, Block 4 of 9. Events, button, Launch Section, Section 1 of 2. Press the Y button to search. Friends and Community Updates Block, Block 5 of 9. See More, button. Resident Evil 7 Teaser, Beginning Hour Block, Block 6 of 9. Mortal Kombat X Block, Block 7 of 9. Suggested Apps Block, Block 8 of 9. Add More, Add More Block, Block 9 of 9. Mortal Kombat 11, Add to Home, button, press, Guide for OBS Rattlehead Window, Guide Tab, 1 of 6. Home, press the View button to share last capture. My Games and Apps, press the Menu button for more options, button, Recent, Settings, press the Menu button for more options, button, MK11, press the Menu button for more options, button, Friends and Community Updates, press the Menu button for more options, Netflix, press the Menu button for more options, Horizontal System Actions, Notifications, No Unread Notifications, button, 1 of 5. Narrator also allows for players to read and receive messages. Notification from Messages Message from Captain Earshot Go to the guide to open Chats, 1 unread, new unread message, 1 a play MK11 Text from Captain Earshot Overlay 1, window, chat with Captain Earshot, 1 a play MK11 Just now 1 of 12 Guide for OBS 1 a play M Reply, edit as I type my reply, I have the option to navigate the keyboard using either the left thumbstick or the directional pad. Edit. One of two. Cap Y. Cap H. Cap 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 D. Cap S. T y. U. T. R. E. C. Space. S sure. D. A J. K. L. Y. T. R. E. T. T. J. K. L. Single. Right arrow. Single quote. J F D S F space sp let's T Y U I O P P single quote L J F D S A E R T Y N M period period play space shift enter. So now that we have ourselves an opponent, I will launch Mortal Kombat 11, and we'll see each other in just a moment. Resume launch. Mortal Kombat Trademark 11, press the menu button for more options, button, press the X button to eject, press the Y button to search, press the view button to customize. We are now in the Mortal Kombat 11 main menu. You can hear a built-in in-game reader speak the menus as I navigate. Conquer. Fight. Local. Tournament. Online. Combat League ranked set. Now I will search for my friend and send the game invite. Casual versus private one versus one. Guide for OBS Rattlehead, 
window, choose people, invite to game, combo box, collapsed, one of three, find someone, button, choose from a club, button, captain earshot, Carlos Martinez, one selected, max, 31, press menu button to send invite, notification from party, invite sent. And there's the in-game sound cue letting me know that my friend has accepted my invite. Alright, there it is. Um, so, as you notice throughout the video, of course, um, you know, there, there are, uh, the, the Xbox is very customizable, as I mentioned, uh, the, on the layout. Basically, what mine... It's actually my my Xbox that I kind of showcase. So what, whatever screen, if someone else uh, brings up their screen, will probably will probably look different than mine. So overall, I think the message on the video was just essentially uh, giving us kind of like the idea of again, sort of preaching to the choir for most of us, right? You know, being able to use uh, uh, screen readers with uh, computers, Macs, iPhones, you know, all these different uh, um, devices. So now consoles sort of kind of join that uh, plethora of uh, accessibility devices. And uh, the video kind of showcased that, you know, just being able to sending messages, communicate, uh, create uh, voice channels as well, uh, which they call parties, and send game invites. So it, it the, the video was essentially just sort of an introduction to to someone who may be new to the idea of how do how does a you know someone with visual impairments play games? And of course, now the the blind or just overall disabled community has grown significantly due to uh, you know some of these. Uh, uh, features or simply the fact that, uh, you know, people like Microsoft uh, have sort of noted, they pretty much noticed the, the value in putting us a lot of these accessibility efforts as well as, you know, other, other companies as well. So hopefully you learned something, you took something new out of that video, or if, you know, if you're, if you are, are familiar with that also just kind of like, you know, so it's good to kind of go back and see where things started, you know, since now as mentioned previously with the series X and series S, essentially they pretty much enhanced those features on the new consoles. So with that, again, thank you so much for your time. And I'm gonna pass it back to Mr. Carlos, Captain Yershat. Thank you, Carlos. So it feels weird saying my own name, <laughs> but I think in this video, it's a great uh, opportunity to transition right into the the rest of the videos that we have planned for you today uh, that will all feature different demonstrations of in-game accessibility. We talk a lot about what accessibility could look like. And I think in video games, there's this unique opportunity to explore how different developers have approached accessibility in whether it is in design or through patches after a game has been released, how some of these features get incorporated, and with the full recognition that each project is a uh, like a stop, a checkpoint for not just the audience, but for fellow developers to check out a title and say, hey, this is a good idea, or, you know, sort of build off of things that already exist, right? So, we're going to go ahead and share a little bit about our first video. So Mortal Kombat 11 is this game we've been referencing. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about the game itself. So it was uh, released in April of 2019. It is uh, uh, sort of a long-standing game, 20 plus years, over 25 years. I believe the first main install 
installment, excuse me, of the Mortal Kombat series was released in October of 1992. So uh, along with games like Doom, it was popularly credited for the establishment of the Entertainment Software Rating Board, or the ESRB, which assigns agent content ratings to video games. And uh, so to that point, um, we do want to remind everybody, if you're viewing this later, or if uh, you're joining us today, uh, that viewer discretion is advised. These are games that are rated M for mature audiences. And more on that. So why are we sharing these games? Well, first of all, it is, uh, it is meaningful to us. We all share valuable memories of learning these games together and can speak to the ins and outs of learning uh, you know, that process. So we have hosted a tournament actually exclusive to blind and visually impaired players featuring this game as well. So we thought it'd only be appropriate to bring it back and sort of break it down for others who sort of know who Scorpion and Sub-Zero are, but that's, that's about it. Or maybe they're, they're fans and they're on the fence about looking out for others who play these games. So take these opportunities to, to hear a little bit about what these games are and, and what they represent for us um, as they are all in our opinion, current examples of accessibility in progress. So I will go ahead and share with you here. And while Carlos is getting uh, to play the video, I do want to mention that because of the accessibility features that were added you know, to the Xbox, it allows, us, it allows us, as he mentioned, to run tournaments for blind players. And this year, not long ago, we did host our second edition of the Central Showdown series uh, on the official Xbox channel. So essentially, you know, showing accessibility on the main stage. So huge opportunity. Now with that, we'll go ahead and let Captain play the video now. Thank you. Hey, everyone. My name is also Carlos, a.k.a. Captain Earshot of Parts of the Internet. I will be guiding you through our MK11 tutorial video in just a moment. Let's begin. Aaron Black, Robocop. For this demo, we'll be featuring fellow Central Showdown team members Gable on left as player one and Alex on right as player two. Tournament. It is typical for fighting games to be designed with several universal features in mind, such as announcers. These allow for players to know what characters have been chosen and what stages they'll be fighting on. Alex as Robocop exits an OCP police vehicle. Gable as Aaron Black tosses a bloodied skull toward the opponent. Looking for me? I hear you're a damn quick shot. Draw. Round one, fight. <laughs> MK11 utilizes stereo sound pad. This means that Alex and Gable can move around freely from left to right and still track each other's movements. Crucial moments in combat are communicated via tones, such as the ones heard moments ago. They will let players know when they're running low on health and when special traits have become available. Stop, or I'll shoot. 
round two. Fight. Players can also use projectiles to determine distance between themselves and their opponent. Unique animations, such as crushing blows, are communicated via devastating sound schemes. Since Alex and Robocop won the first round, it is up to Gable and Aaron Black to win round two and take us into a final match. And there's our announcer letting us know that Alex has brought this brawl to an end. Robocop approaches a kneeling Aaron Black and hoists him up by the neck. You are coming with me. He guides him to his cruiser, slams him onto the hood, turns, and strikes a victory pose. And as we sort of seen there, so the action sequences are busy and loaded with information, right? So we sort of uh, intentionally chose to explore several of these audio aspects uh, and, and sort of let you experience them as they're happening. You'll find that uh, you heard a little bit of everything. You have the audio descriptions, so, sort of like characteristic of Netflix films, right? Just to give us a feel of what those movements are that's happening. You have the effort noises that are made during uh, exchanges of blows in, in fighting games. And so, again, these are all different uh, examples of what we can expect to see within, say, a fighting game. Uh, and, and there will, again, as we referenced earlier, there will be a lot of overlap in, in the genres of games that we're looking at. Um, so actually, uh, to, to sort of transition us into another genre of video games, so uh, we sort of want to tackle the idea that sh shooter games can sometimes, you know, be a, it's a hit or miss, right? Either you have some vision and you can play or you get stuck on a mission where there's a, a barrier where you're required to have some sighted assistance or you can run into a game that has features that allow you to make some progress uh, and maybe there are built-in designed features like, for example, co-op. Uh, where you can play with a partner and that's just the way to get through the game. Or maybe it's an optional addition. Maybe you have an AI to assist you. So you have all these layered approaches to making, again, an accessible playing experience. And to tell us a little bit about that second video that we're going to show you here, I'm going to go ahead and pass it on to Dexter so you can introduce it for us. Thank you, Carlos. And for those who don't know, uh, Carlos here, Carlos Martinez, uh, Captain Earshot, is our Cento Showdown champion for two years in a row. So, all right. <laughs> With that, all right, we're going to be taking a look at Gears 5. Um, this is the fifth game in the series, and the previous games was called Gears of War. And they did not have any accessibility options for you to be able to play the game. So Gears 5 is the first in the franchise to implement accessibility options to allow blind and visually impaired players to play the game. Um, there's also the game transcription, which we went over in the Xbox overview video. And what that does is with, with that enabled, you can you browse your, your game. Like it tells you all your stats. It reads the menu. Um, 
so that you're able to customize your character, uh, change your classes and, and, and uh, whatnot. And there's also accessibility features for colorblind blindness and uh, motor disabilities. And in this video, it will be, I will be showcasing some of those, uh, those options and followed by gameplay using these features. So with that, we'll just take it away and uh, check out the video. Options, controller, game, video, audio, matchmaking, mature con accessibility, color blind mode, off, item 1 of 18, protonopia, deuteranopia, tritonopia, Dut off, set campaign cameras shake, off, item 2 of 18, toggles all sources of cameras shake while playing the campaign, X, button, defaults, B, button, back, PVE cameras shake, off, item 3 of 18, toggles all sources of cameras shake in horde and escape, only in beginner, intermediate, experienced and advanced difficulty levels. X, button, defaults, B, button, back, campaign target lock, on, item 4 of 18. Auto aim while aiming down sights in campaign. Only in beginner difficulty levels. X, button, defaults, B, button, back, PVE target lock, on, Item 5 of 18. Auto aim while aiming down sights in horde and escape. Only in beginner, intermediate, experienced and advanced difficulty levels. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. Fabricator ping on TACCOM, horde mode, on, item 6 of 18. When enabled, the fabricator in horde will emit a ping sound while in TACCOM X, button, defaults, B, button, back, navigation ping, escape mode, full path always on, item 7 of 18. In escape mode, audio pings will lead you to the exit. Different audio pings will indicate the next navigation point, door button, or mantle point. X, button, defaults, B, button, back, off. Full path always on, full path on TACCOM. Next doorway always on. Next doorway on TACCOM. Your sins, next, full path always on. Subtitles, on, item 8 of 18. Turn subtitles on or off. Standard subtitles with speaker indication. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. Subtitle size, large, button tap challenges, press and hold. Item 10 of 18. Choose whether button tap challenges require tapping or holding the button down. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. Vibration, on, text to speech, on, item 12 of 18. When enabled, your chat text will be read aloud to other players. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. Speech to text, off, item 13 of 18. When enabled, other players' voices will be transcribed and displayed as text. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. Easy navigation, on, item 14 of 18. Enables linear navigation through interactive elements on screen.
To navigate forward, hold span font equals slash game slash interface slash font slash seg xbox symbol underscore 152 view button slash and press span font equals slash game slash interface slash font slash seg xbox symbol underscore 152 d-pad right slash. To navigate backward, hold span font equals slash game slash interface slash font slash seg xbox symbol underscore 152 view button slash and press span font equals slash game slash interface slash font slash seg xbox symbol underscore 152 d-pad left slash x button defaults b button back swap sticks while aimed off single stick movement off font size large item 17 of 18 Toggle aim, off, item 18 of 18. Toggle aim on slash off with each press of the targeting button. X, button, defaults, B, button, back. This is Gears 5, escape mode. You infiltrate a swarm hive and plant a venomous bomb and fight your way out. I will be demonstrating the navigational ping that leads you to the next doorway out. My bomb is set. No turn back now. Once you reach the doorway, the sound of the ping will change for the next doorway. The slightly faster ping indicates that there's a low wall that you can take cover behind. I'll take that. Bomb's about to blow! And there's another ping that indicates that you can jump over that low wall. there's a ping that lets you know that there's a button that you have to press to open the next door. Now you've reached the safe area where you can catch your breath and restock your ammo. But don't take too long. The poisonous gas is still hot on your heels. Wipe out another reject! Panic! 
boss wave four. This is Horde, Horde, where you fight waves of enemies. Time's up. I will be demonstrating the Fabricator ping, which is similar to the navigational ping. The Fabricator allows you to buy grenades, weapons, fortifications, and restock your ammo to help you fight the waves of enemies. Frag grenade, 500. A. Button. Purchase. B. Button. Shock grenade. 5. Frag grenade. 500. A. Button. Purchase. B. Button. MG Century LV1. 5000. A. Button. B. Button. Close. X. Button. Deposit. 1000. There's also an accessibility feature called Target Lock-On. It locks on to the nearest enemy when you're aiming down sights. So, as you've seen in that gameplay, by utilizing the sound of the ping, you can navigate through the different maps to get to your objective and complete your missions. And if you also heard that, you can hear the chatter of your teammates, and you can also hear the enemies with the, the great sound design that the team, uh, co the Coalition Studios have put into this game. So I hope this encourage all of you to try this game out and see if you like it, see if you can play it and have some fun. And with that, I'll hand it back over to Carlos. Thank you, Dexter. So, yeah, I think, um, as you can tell, there's definitely a sort of a transition there in the types of sound you're listening for uh, with shooters and other games that have visual components to them. You're relying a lot on like situational cues and more to that point. So our third video here is going to take us a little bit back through a trip in time. So, uh, so far we've showed you games that are a little bit more newer and they've been released with these menus like that have the the, the different options that you can enable and uh, you go sort of pick and choose which ones you want and and that's all great right more options is always uh, great to have and um, in addition to that we want to look at games that sort of built in things from by design which some of these things mean that you don't need to go into any menus to turn them on. They sort of just are there for your use or not, or they are there for you to, again, sort of depend on uh, as, as uh, to sort of discover by accident. Right. So um, to that point, it's, it's super interesting kind of how that happens. So the, the game we have uh, for you now is resident evil six and I will tell you a little bit about uh, this game. So it was released in 2012 and it's the sixth installment of the series. You'll find that we are sort of relying on games that are 
going, you know, they're not, it's not their first rodeo. You're, you're sort of getting a feel for them uh, well into the franchise. But this also gives game developers a chance to try different things and build in things from the beginning of the game to see how they play out. And uh, the truth is, I am personally curious to hear one day from developers on this team uh, uh, that, that helped create this game to see kind of what, what the idea was when, when building in a lot of the things. So, so without further ado, I'm going to show a video here of this game. And again, the, the features that you don't need to turn on, but they already exist in game for all players to use. Right from the main menu, Resident Evil 6 features an interactive soundtrack that adds and removes musical instruments as you advance into its different submenus. Try listening for the subtle changes to the bass soundtrack as I cycle between the four playable campaigns of Leon, Chris, Jake, and Ada. The creativity and sound design displayed here is an example of how a developer took five different versions of one audio track and programmed them to serve as auditory checkpoints. Gameplay For this section, I will play the Mercenaries mode as Chris Redfield to demonstrate the accessibility of combat. The Mercenaries is a minigame in which you must defeat as many enemies as you can before the round timer runs out. Your opponents will make distinct grunts or battle cries as they approach and attack you. Engage in combat by tapping your fire button to perform physical attacks. Aiming is facilitated in two ways. The first way is by holding down your aim button and pressing the command button. The second way is to tap your aim and fire buttons together to have your character automatically shoot the nearest enemy. Some characters, like Chris, will have access to close combat weapons, such as stun rods and knives. Stage traps, such as the buzzing transformer you hear, can serve as landmarks to orient to your surroundings, or to be found and detonated at your own risk. Huh? <laughs> 
completing mission objectives. For this final section of the demo, I will introduce the Wayfinder feature in campaign mode by playing as Sherry Birkin, accompanied by my partner Jake Mueller. Wait. Okay. My Wayfinder button will do its best to lead Sherry from one area to the next until I encounter the source of her mission. Partner commands allow me to keep track of my teammate and to communicate in the heat of battle. Sometimes, a mission objective will be time-sensitive and may require you to perform tasks at an even pace. I will now play as Leon Kennedy and attempt to outswim a water monster while my partner, Lena Harper, defends me. Leon, get out of here! It's coming! Shit! Lena, I need some backup! Finally, it's time to put all the pieces together. I will be defending Leon as Helena by relying on all of the features we've just gone over. So again, we're just trying to jump back and forth between what has been recently made available in the form of expansion of menus and explicitly going through accessibility settings and what sort of game developers may have inadvertently or on purpose included in their game design from the beginning. Again, this being sort of the the model game, in my opinion, of uh, how a lot of these features can exist without uh, being separated out into submenus and sort of showing how in practice they exist for all players to depend on if, if they need to. So that sort of rounds out our videos for the day. And we are we did notice there were a couple of uh, raised hands going on. Um, so we do want to sort of take this opportunity to take questions. Um, we will stop at about five minutes just to share some overall takeaways that uh, we can come up with together. And we do have our lovely uh, host, Mika, who will be helping us facilitating this discussion. Um, if we can just go ahead and go down the list of raised hands. I gotcha. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We're going to go to um, Oren. Did, did, I, did I raise my hand? I didn't, uh, I didn't even know my hand went up because I, I don't really... 
have any questions or anything. Uh, I mean, I I do enjoy a lot of these games, uh, so that's that's nice. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have any questions or anything. That's okay. No, we we love to hear from anyone who just you know wants to pop in. But thank you for sharing, Mitchell. If you you are allowed to talk, if you can unmute. Hey guys, thanks. Hey, what game system did you guys use? That's a good question. Uh, we actually decided to focus on the Xbox console today. So we sort of introduced a little bit about the specifics on that console at the beginning. And then um, these games are actually, a lot of them are available across both Xbox and the PlayStation, but we decided to sort of showcase them uh, through the Xbox console. And it's good that you asked that because I would actually add to that, that uh, on Thursday of next week, or we plan to uh, bring uh some PlayStation games exclusive to the PlayStation that sort of have, you know, a lot of the overlapping uh, features. So thank you for your question. Okay, Wesley. Wes, you can go ahead. Yeah, so I kind of been, I kind of been mostly a PlayStation guy, you know. I just had a PlayStation 1 and moved it to the 2. But I think about, you know, 4 or 5, and I kind of wonder how accessible is the PlayStation 5 compared to this Xbox One that you have? And also, how good is the Xbox 360 compared to the Xbox One for accessibility? That's a really good question. Thank Let you, Wesley. Have, yeah, I want to go ahead and answer that question. It. Yeah, yeah, go uh, ahead, please. <laughs> hey, uh, this is Carlos, the other Carlos. Um, we actually will be having so uh, a, a presentation on, on the PlayStation Five. Actually, um, as far as accessibility, uh, definitely. If you want to move up, I'd say I know it's kind of hard to get right now because of how things are, but the PlayStation Five is your best option. PlayStation 4 sort of introduced some accessibility features, but it was like, it was so basic that it didn't work pretty much on uh, anything else other than the main dashboard or the main menus of the, of the console. Uh, so basically, let's say if you wanted to check out your profile, uh, if, if it was the, the screen reader or text-to-speech or whatever, it would say text unavailable here. So it was very limited, um, you know, so it was, it, there was also that issue of not being able to send any invites at all, uh, which is obviously one of the main things, you know, to have a console, to be able to interact with your friends and things like that. The PlayStation 5 though, is a whole nother ball game. And again, hopefully if you, uh, you'll be present on our next presentation as we will go over uh, of basically the overall in- accessibility enhancements on the PlayStation 5. Okay. And actually, sorry, sorry, before we move on, I know there was a part two to your question about the Xbox and the differences across consoles. I, I know, Baron, uh, Baronson, you, uh, Alex, you uh, own both consoles. So do you want to talk a little bit about how the, the features are different um, across one and the other? Uh, sorry, he particularly mentioned the Xbox 360, which 360, um, yeah. does not, I don't think that has any, does it? Yeah, neither the 360 or the Xbox. No. The original Xbox have accessibility. It's only the Xbox One that has it. Xbox One and higher. Don't forget now that's higher. X, yeah. yeah, Series X okay. and Series S. So anything be, ben, ben, beneath the Xbox One is not accessible. And what we say by not accessible, we are specifically talking about there not being the existence of, say, narrator. So what you heard. So there is a little bit of effort involved in learn, memorizing how many times you must press a button or the A button in this case, if you're on Xbox to, you know, navigate from uh, a a certain point to another, which can be done. And we highly encourage those who say might own some of these consoles uh, to try some of these things out. I think a lot of uh, our, the way we describe how something may or may not be accessible is sort of rooted in, in our own process of discovery. 
So it's it's about finding workarounds, and it's certainly about working with what we have. Historically, I think um, we can build off of uh, those strategies. I know I have when I grew up playing video games with a lot of these guys. Uh, as we continue to meet up over the years, it was it was sharing those those ideas. Oh, you know, if from the moment you launch on the home screen, you uh, can access friends lists by going down twice, hitting A, and uh, you know, uh, going from there, finding the the different just. Uh, processes of, of discovery, which we uh, fully endorse. Um, so, but thank you. Thank you for your, your, your question. Can we have the next question? Yes, Eric, it looks like you're unmuted. Do you, is overall the Xbox more accessible than the PlayStation 5, the Xbox One X? Because if, 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 I'm actually considering purchasing, I'm considering purchasing one of the two and I'm, I'm torn because I've heard that Every Xbox game will be on the PC, so why why bother to get an Xbox when you can just have a PC? Um, and the PlayStation brand definitely it seems to have more exclusives, is overall more popular. Um, so I'm I'm just that's been on my mind. And yeah, that's a good question. I will go ahead and actually uh, uh, pass this one over to Gable, who's one of our members who actually owns the both consoles and is a newer like PlayStation five player who can tell you a lot about his experience with uh, handling those things. So Gable, go ahead and please share with us a little bit about that. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, I think it right now, your decision between each console is mainly up to preference, which is very nice. If it was between the Xbox one and the PlayStation four, the Xbox one's uh, accessibility just kind of blew the PS fours out of the water. Um, but now with the PS five, I've had a, um, the opportunity to play with it for a while and explore it with its new accessibility features. And I, I think it's very much of an improvement over the PS4. Um, I, 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 I think each of them have their own drawbacks um, and uh, advantages over the other. But the nice thing is that they're both, um, they're both very, very good. So I think it ends up being your preference of which console you want to go with, which has their own exclusives. Um, like for example, Xbox has uh, Killer Instinct, which is a very accessible fighting game, which we'll be um, covering on Thursday. But PlayStation also has other accessible games, such as um, The Last of Us Part Two or the Marvel Spider-Man series. Those are also somewhat accessible, or fully accessible in terms of The Last of Us. Um, so it, um, it's it's nice that we have the the um, the free reign of the market where we can choose. We have the ability to choose which console we would like, um, primarily based upon which exclusive games you'd like to play first. I would like to add, because he mentioned PC, um, my suggestion would be get the platform, go to the platform where your friends are playing. And if that's not your thing, then it's your preference of, you know, which one you would rather, you know, purchase so I just wanted to add that. Yeah, that's a very good point. It, it very heavily depends on what, what, do, you, what do your friends play. Um, uh, in terms of our little blind game community, um, we have a pretty spread um, amount of players on both consoles. So in terms of like playing Mortal Kombat 11, um, I have all kinds of uh, friends who play on just PlayStation, who play on just Xbox, or who have both. Um, so it depends on, yeah, what kind of games you want to play. Um, and who do you want to play with? All right. All right. Thank you for the question. Yes. Next. Next up is Craig. Craig, you'll need to unmute. 
Okay, while he's doing that, we're going to go to Anne. Thank you very much. Uh, this was very exciting. I am a classroom teacher, and all of my high school students have given me a directive to come back with games that they can play. And I'm interested in what would be good for a beginner or a newbie, um, whether it's the PlayStation or the Xbox. And um, from your perspective, how long is an estimated time frame of learning about the sounds and what they mean? Or is there an easier game to get them started on? Uh, my students are ages 14 to 18, both male and female. Uh, some are into the car racing kind of games. And I don't know how many are into the fighting one, but the one with the Resident Evil, I know I have several that are interested in something like that. So I'm just looking for recommendations and suggestions. That's uh, such a good question, and yeah, I, it sounds like Gable does want to share um, uh, his perspective. So I'll go ahead and actually uh, go ahead and see Tim. So go ahead, Gable. Yeah, I'll just give my two cents real quick. Um, there, there's many games I think are good starting points. Um, I, I think fighting games are actually a very, very nice uh, starting point. Uh, I, I feel like there's a trend though that a lot of the accessible games that are coming out, most of them are for mature. Um, for like an audience of 17 and older due to uh, uh, violence or uh, language or such. Um, but I think fighting games are very a very nice start, particularly the ones by NetherRealm Studios who uh, created Mortal Kombat and the Injustice series. Um, those are fighting games with very, very good sound design. And it's a very good way to learn um, audio cues uh, a button memorization uh, and pattern pattern recognition, um, and I I personally am a very big fan of Injustice Two, which is um, a fighting game made by NetherRealm Studios based around uh, DC superheroes such as Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, that's a game that I really enjoyed um, since it came out, and uh, we our our community we have a bunch of uh, players who have a lot of experience with all kinds of games, all the way from Mortal Kombat uh, to games like Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and we have a Discord server um, where there's many of us very happy and willing to teach new players. We have several younger players in there who we um, get just go on one-on-one -on -one training sessions and help them kind of learn the controller, learn the game and such. And um, We'll give you uh, information at the end of our presentation how you can find our Discord server. If anyone else would like to touch on that. Okay, Craig, looks like you are unmuted. Yeah, so I was, I was wondering, um, how do you kind of figure out, may, say maybe a new game comes out, how do you figure out if it's going to be accessible um, or, or kind of where, where do you start? That's a really good question, Craig. So I will sort of start to answer this and I will uh, pass it on to uh, another team member to sort of finish off. And I just, it's just I want to do a quick time check. So we are coming up at about 10 minutes. So I want to get in as many questions as we can. So let's just uh, cover as much as we can uh, as quickly as we can. So I know that for me, I like to watch the YouTube videos or the Twitch videos or the Twitter videos put out by Xbox, by PlayStation, by all these different companies. I think we're seeing a lot more trends in 
the way they put out trailers even with descriptions and such. And so that's just right off the bat. It gives you an opportunity to just develop your own impressions. It used to be where in the old days you had to maybe wait till the game came out, maybe buy it yourself and risk spending $60, $70. Um, but now there are facilitated services that I know one of our team members is super excited to share about and I'll let it, I'll, I can let them speak to that. But certainly um, just looking at uh, these many different sites that put out promotional material. Uh, in many cases, companies now, the other day, Diab- the, the company that creates Diablo was actually talking about making accessibility, incorporating uh, uh, text-to-speech in their game. So that was super exciting for a company to just flat out come out and say that without having you know, the proof or the evidence out for us to, and for, for a company to just take that step in, in believing that there's a marketable audience that would receive that as positive news and want to buy their games. Um, but yeah, if anybody else wants to add, please do. Yes. Um, to touch on that on Xbox, they have a service called Xbox game pass and it's a subscription based uh, model where you pay $10 a month and you have access to over 300 plus games. And that includes new games that releases and you can try the games out. And you can see whether they're not accessible or not. Before this, it was very difficult. You would have to watch, like Carl said, you have to watch YouTube videos and see if anyone has covered accessibility in the new game that released. And, and if you bought the game, you don't know whether it is. And it's hard to get a refund if it isn't and you can't play the game. So, But I think Xbox Game Pass is a really great deal. And it... it helps in in finding whether the games are accessible or not also um a lot of uh, game developers are doing press releases now before the release of their of their uh games in which they'll release the uh, accessibility features and other accommodations that will be coming out with the game a lot of the big uh AAA titles have been doing that lately all the way from the last of us to marvel spider-man to ratchet and clank and far cry 6 are all big titles that have all um at least a few months, just a month ahead, have released just like, hey, this is what we'll be including, not just for blind gamers, but all disabled gamers. Thank you for your question. Um, are there any other questions? Yes, next up we have Clark. Thank you so much, Mika, and thank you uh, everyone here for this great session. Really enjoyed it. Um, I've not played video games since Nintendo 64, but one of the last games I did play, Perfect Dark, had some player settings where you could make, uh, you know, gear and ammo. It was a first-person shooter multiplayer game. Um, you could make gearboxes and ammo and weapons and things like that flash on screen. Um, and also having, you know, the, the vibration or rumble pack were features that I used as accessibility features. Um, and not to duplicate anyone else's question, I'm just curious, you guys mentioned a lot of titles here. Are there titles that you think would be better for folks to get started if they are low vision versus other titles potentially if folks are totally blind and thank you for this great session thank you for asking that question yes uh, as a matter of fact uh, and we didn't sort of share our degrees of vision but we do have uh, some folks on our team that are completely blind and some with low vision but i i definitely want to speak to the uh, sort of the the blindness aspect of it so we do have uh, again, these fighting games that tend to be uh, accessible, some shooter games with inbuilt, uh, you know, those designs. Um, I I want to say that it's it's going to be sort of, and 
these are just three games that we've shown off today. I want to stress that. I can't stress that enough because there's a lot of games out there that maybe just don't pique our interest, but maybe yours or anybody else. And that's that's the part we want to encourage others to sort of maybe perform a Google search and and see what's out there. Uh, or go back through their gaming library for your in, in, in your case, like I know that the last game that you played, uh, so that was on the Nintendo 64. And I, I sort of opened up with that a little bit. I shared how I too, that was my first console. And so I, you know, I remember playing games in that time in mono where you didn't even have stereo sound where you had to just memorize what you were listening to and going, you know, everything was centered. You didn't have left and right. So there was no depth perception. There was no directional uh, cues there. And I just, I went with it and I just felt like, okay, maybe I need to die a hundred times in this game or retry, restart <laughs> to, to make progress. But you sort of develop those mentalities uh, sort of uh, moving into the, the, the grander, more accessible titles, you sort of, hopefully the idea is that you build some of that uh, uh, experience and you, and you carry it over to see like, oh yeah, it turns out that uh, a lot of this does exist uh, and, it's, and it's built off on. I, I, does anybody else want to share a little bit? Uh, real quick, there is a Perfect Dark being made by Microsoft, a new one. So might be hope for the future, might have some accessibility issue. Uh, accessibility features maybe and we do have two minutes so i really do want to go ahead and try and get more questions and we uh, i want maybe one more question greg um you can unmute hey there guys really enjoyed this so uh, i wonder do you guys have any experience with sports games like say madden nfl or any of the other ea sports titles no but we do have friends who who do play it and uh i believe madden 21 has a, a built-in screen reader and on the PlayStation 5 and also the Xbox, I, I believe it reads the playbook. So Yeah, like, like uh, Carlos said earlier that there's, there's many games that aren't just our, our thing, our interests. Um, like I personally are more uh, superhero game oriented, but um, there are people in our community who do play these games. Like, like uh, Dexter just mentioned, Madden is... Um, a game that's also entering the the accessible gaming world. Uh, so there are there are options out there. Um, maybe some that we're not familiar with, but there are that uh, others would be. Thank you both for sharing that. Yes, and uh, sort of to round out everything we've talked about, I do want to leave us with some takeaways that will sort of help us uh, collectively as a group come together and and look forward to more accessibility in the future. So we sort of touched on the fact that more accessibility options are always better, right? But we we should always uh, never lose that sense of discovery for things that already exist, right? Not give sort of the, the nobody's reinventing the wheel here. We're all building off of things, game developers specifically are building off of things that already exist and maybe just didn't receive the appropriate press coverage or didn't, didn't have the right, you know, gamer come to it and discover it and share with their friends. So that's sort of our call to action to everybody here. It's to make sure that if you find even something remotely interesting, explore that, see where it takes you and talk about it and and be open. Most importantly, be open to discussing, you know, reframing these discussions in in a sense of improvement and, and giving not just gamers, but developers that that fuel, because we all we all have sort of this 
this uh, love for, for different franchises and the lore. And, um, and so I think that collectively we can make these things grow together. Um, and so with that, I do want to thank you for being here, for sharing the space with us, for bringing your questions and your topics uh, and, your, uh, and discussing with us. So ACB as well, thank you for giving us this opportunity. We will be back on Thursday and uh, we'll be definitely again going over PlayStation titles during that time as well. Um, I do want to quickly share with you a little bit of our social media. You can find our Cento Showdown page on Twitter. That's at Cento Showdown, spelled S-E-N-T-O-S-H-O-W-D-O-W-N. All one word at Cento Showdown on Twitter. If you have a Twitter account, you can please give us a follow there. We also have, we will be posting a link to our Blind Gamers Discord Hub channel uh, server on Discord. That's sort of where we uh, congregate and talk about all things video game related. A lot of it right now is sort of the origins uh, of the discussions are a lot uh, based around different fighting games that we talk about. But you'll notice in the channel, we're sort of trying to branch out and build the interests of different community members that join us. So again, really excited to be here, excited to share our ideas and our, uh, our stories with you. And yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and pass yeah. it over to ACB if there's anything else oh, you want to say. Oh, sorry. The, the yeah. link is already posted. It's our pin Excellent. at the very top of our, our profile. Um, so yeah, uh, feel free to join that. Discord is very accessible on all platforms. Um, so feel free to make an account, join our conversation, and we'd love to have you. And before you all go, um, let me go ahead and give you the closing code. It is 31... Six, two, four. Again, three, one, six, two, four. And thank you guys. You guys did an excellent job. Thank you, Mika. Thank you, Mika. Thank you. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Have a great day, everyone.